From Vermont Digger, I'm Mike Doherty. This is The Deeper Dig. Today is Friday, July 20th. Last week, two new steps in Vermont's EB-5 fraud scandal have renewed questions about how and when investors in that program will see a resolution. EB-5 is a federal program that allows foreign investors to fund U.S. development projects in exchange for green cards. For over two years, the state of Vermont has been dealing with the fallout from federal charges that two developers at J-Peak Resort defrauded hundreds of EB-5 investors. Last Monday, a document handed down from the U.S. Customs and Immigration Services Agency clarified what's still at stake. It was a notice of termination to the state of Vermont saying that they were terminating the regional centers from overseeing projects. What is the EB-5 regional center? It's the entity that oversees those projects that are funded by EB-5 dollars. Alan Keyes covers EB-5 for VT Digger. The notice took the state to task for kind of lax oversight of previous projects, as well as submitting some documents that contained material misrepresentations in them. And material misrepresentations, as basically government speak for, they lied on paperwork. Well, whether they lied or, or they allowed lies to proceed, I guess, like documents were presented to them and they continued to move them forward in signing off on them without verifying the information in them. What's at stake with the EB-5 Regional Center being terminated? Those investors who have invested in EB-5 projects who are in the process of trying to obtain their green cards or permanent U.S. residency risk not being able to obtain that status because there's no entity that will process them through the state. There's about 200 investors, as we uh, understand it, that haven't yet achieved the level of immigration status that would uh, secure their permanent uh, immigration benefit. This is Mike Pichak, the state's commissioner of financial regulation. They basically have to get this first form approved, which is called a 526, and then they also have to get a visa number. And then they also have to actually physically have immigrated into the United States. So as we understand it, at least 200 um, investors have not yet achieved those three things. So they're uh, certainly at risk. Normally, it's up to the EB-5 Regional Center to complete this process. The Vermont Center still has projects in the works. Some of the projects include J-Peak projects. And the other was the Von Trapp project up at Stowe. So an EB-5 project is built and then it's up to the EB-5 Regional Center to prove that that has had a certain kind of economic value. To verify, yeah. To verify that it had created 10 U.S. American jobs. A lot of it's in construction or people who are working there. And that is kind of the key that unlocks the immigration benefit for the investor. For that investor, yep, for each investor. And that's the process they were in the midst of when the federal government said the center needs to be shut down. For a lot of them, yep. Got it. Pichak says this is why the state plans to appeal the USCIS decision. His department wants to wind those projects down gradually, and he thinks they have a strong case. Basically, we'll make the point that the regional center is fulfilling its mission of promoting economic development. And uh, even though we're not taking on new projects, we're still fulfilling that commitment. So tell me if I've got this right. The, The state is saying that because these projects are still ongoing, that equals new economic development, whereas the feds are saying if there's no new projects, there's no long-term mission for this place. 
Yeah, and I think that's a, I think that's just a really silly argument from the federal government, just that one subset argument, because that would mean that the regional center, any regional center, whether it was planning to do one project or planning to do 100 projects and the regional centers that do all of those, that they would have to plan to be in existence for perpetuity, right? They'd have to be in existence for all time. And if you had a regional center that was planning to do a project or two, does that mean that in the middle of your first project or second project that you are going to be shut down because you're not promoting economic development by taking on new projects? I think, uh, obviously, uh, by taking that position, USCIS is is simply harming these investors that, um, again, our department is trying to protect. Can you speak to what happens if they don't accept those appeals? Yes. I mean, ultimately, you know, it it would be investors that have lost out on their opportunity to uh, get their immigration benefit. They would have their monies invested into a project uh, and they would be like any other equity investor waiting uh, to get their money back. Um, But as you know, the only reason um, investors make these in particular investments, because it's not a huge return on investment that's promised, they make these investments for the immigration benefit primarily mm-hmm. um, and then to get their capital back almost as a secondary matter. Um, so certainly if they couldn't get their immigration benefit, that would be a, a significant event for those 200 or so people. These are investors that um, have real life stories, that are real people that have tried to come to the United States and, and, and be part of the American dream, the American system. This is Russell Barr, a private attorney in Stowe, who represents a group of EB-5 investors in litigation against the state. We've got clients from Brazil, one in particular that basically sold his farm to move to the United States and is in limbo right now with one child in school here, not really knowing at all what the family can do. And these are people that investors with, with lives and families and children and dreams that have been just stopped in their tracks for no fault of their own. Barr says that appealing the termination of the regional center doesn't get at the root of the problem. I think it's clear if you read the July 3rd federal government decision, the USCIS decision, it is a scathing indictment of a state agency of of our state, unfortunately. And and why? Because you had an agency that was, in effect, and they found this, committing perjury by lying to the federal government, and that's on page eight. So if you're going to say that you have oversight, which they did, if you're going to say you're managing these programs, which they said they did, if you're going to say to the federal government that you're administering these programs, these projects, um, which they said and they did, then you have to do that. If you don't do that, you've committed perjury. And they also found the Vermont Regional Center, through their license granted by the federal government, actually diverted the funds. So this isn't just Quarrel Sustenger. This isn't just JP projects. This is state uh, funneled misappropriation and diversion of funds. And I don't think anyone should be pulling any punches anymore here. This is what's happened. And that's why the federal government shut them down. So, I mean, realistically, what should be the next steps in your eyes with the termination of the regional center? Well, nine months ago, we had asked the state court in our case on behalf of the investors to appoint a receiver, to appoint an independent expert in this. Somebody who from Boston, Albany, could be from Vermont if they have an immigration experience, to come in and hold the folks that were part and parcel to this fraud accountable and clean things up and move on. That would have given the state a much higher likelihood of success with the federal government. They didn't do that. 
So, you know, the idea that they're going to appeal, it's just, it's, it's wrong. It's very simple. Properly administer your projects and, and one rule, don't steal the money. The federal government knows this. And so this idea of appealing and spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on an appeal um, is a complete waste of resources. Well, the state, I mean, when I talk to the commissioner of financial regulation, I mean, he says that the state is appealing in the interest of investors. They think that this is the best path forward, the best hope to get those people some resolution. What do you think about that? I think they've put themselves between a rock and a hard place. What's happening now is they did not take the appropriate approach with the USCIS from day one. They did not sit down with them and say, we made a mistake. Here are our books and records. Here are the people that are responsible. Instead, they pushed forward saying, we are a state government. We're above the federal government. We can do what we want. And that has created a whole host of issues for the investors. So uh, there's no easy answer. I think what's happened here is is done for the investors, unfortunately. The, in, in our opinion, the likelihood of success, given the facts, given the body of law, given the history, given the fraudulent filings, they've already made their bed, unfortunately. So you're saying that their, their argument, uh, because part of their argument in winding down the regional center slowly and keeping it open is that these ongoing projects still have value in terms of economic development. And you're saying that that's kind of tainted to begin with. Yeah, well, it's, it's not me saying it. The USCIS very clearly did a balancing test in their decision, and they found, in effect, that um, even though there is some good in the program, ultimately you allow the stealing and misappropriation of hundreds of millions of dollars, and we cannot trust you. So are there, you know, is traps creating jobs, or, or, or yes. Is Mount Snow, to a degree, I would imagine, are creating some jobs, yes. Um, but our entire brand, our entire program has been destroyed. The federal government looks at this as, why would they allow um, this when, there's tr- when truly the ultimate program here has is, is created more harm than good? State officials say they're working to address some of that harm that's been done. They announced one step at a press event last week, down the street from what's become known as The Hole. The big project, or the most noticeable project, because it's right in the center of downtown, is right on the main street in Newport. It was a block of buildings, and it was taken down or raised, as they say, to make way for the new office complex or multi-use building that was going to be put there. That project got stalled or stopped when the regulators brought the lawsuits against the two developers back in April of 2016. So the press conference took place probably, like I don't know, two blocks away from there. It was held on this picturesque waterfront in Newport, which was a nice setting, but you know the other setting where the hole is is not so pretty and nice. We are here to update uh, and inform uh, the state of Vermont uh, on uh, two civil actions that the state of Vermont filed against Ariel Kuros and Bill Stanger over two years ago. They announced a $2.1 million settlement with the two men. Kuros paying the, the bulk of that in what they value as $2 million in assets or five properties he owns in the state. And Stanger is making a $100,000 payment to the city of Newport to be used for economic development purposes over a four-year period. While our work is not yet completed, the dark cloud that has been hanging over us for the last few years is beginning to lift. And I'm confident better days are ahead. 
for this region. What's the significance of that settlement? What step is the state now taking towards a broader resolution of this whole thing? The state says that they're trying to harm the impact that was done to the city of Newport. When they brought the case, they were talking about the efforts of the lawsuit to help investors who were hurt in the case. But this lawsuit does nothing to help the investors in the case, although there is $2 million coming to Newport. There's an interesting aspect of because the state is not really acting like the investors. The state is acting in the public interest. Kate Gallagher runs the civil division of the attorney general's office. She led the state's case against Kiros and Stenger. In this case, with the settlement in particular, one of the things that we thought was in the public interest was to make some form of restitution to the Northeast Kingdom and Newport. So we look at a broader interest than just the interests of the investors. Russell Barr agrees that the city of Newport deserves restitution, but he argues that the investors deserve it first. Let's just take a step back here. Without the, uh, my clients and the investors investing into our program, none of this money would be here. None of, none of it would have been stolen and misappropriated. So any money that is recovered has to, well, first should go back and pay the contractors, including interest and any other damages, and then any remaining amount should go to the investors. That's their money. That money was stolen the first time. And in our opinion, this settlement allowing for the money to be stolen again. And what's so unfortunate is that in their lawsuit, in the state's lawsuit filed two years ago, on page 49 in their wherefore clause, they specifically asked for full restitution of my clients, of the investors. Well, we all know now that not one penny of that settlement went to our clients. Another part of the state's argument here is that dismissing these cases lets them shift records to the state auditor to start an investigation of the fraud. We control these two cases. There's a lot of litigation about EB-5. We control these cases against Kiros and Sanger. We're dismissing them. Uh, we're repairing the harm done to the city of Newport. We're taking a small step towards that direction to the Northeast Kingdom. And I believe going on the path of transparency to answer that question by taking this out of the legal system. We could have continued to litigate and, you know, maybe gotten a little bit more money and recoup, you know, gone through a lot of steps to recoup all that. But, you know, that was going to be another two, three years. And we really felt like, again, we're looking at the public interest. One of the things we really wanted to do here was to get these documents to the auditor so that he would be able to begin looking at them and um, reporting to the public. I think the public trust was damaged as a result of this fraud. And I think this is a step we hope, forward to maybe restore some of that public trust. Why now, though? I mean, what's the significance of working to restore that public trust immediately rather than continuing to litigate and possibly getting a bigger financial settlement down the line? So I think, you know, realistically, in order to get that additional, um, you know, maybe two million, we would have spent a million. Hmm. Um, So there's that aspect of it. Um, There's always risk in litigation as well. But I I think it was more that, you know, I think the public's concern that we kept hearing more and more of was they wanted to know what happened around state government. And we just were not in a position to answer that question while there was ongoing litigation. And it's going to take some time for the auditor to do his work. So, you know, having him get started sooner rather than later was certainly important to us, too. 
And what's the process going to be for addressing that question? So these documents go to the state auditor. What do we do with the information that comes back from him? I think it'll depend on what that information is, you know, what he learns. It could be that there are certain types of you know, steps we could take within state government to make sure mm-hmm. that uh, maybe a different department should be handling certain kinds of things, or maybe there should be, you know, a separation of interests of, you know, the development from regulation. Um, I, it's hard for me to anticipate what he will, you know, recommend, but I'm sure he'll have recommendations. And, I mean, the goal is to make state government, a, you know, better, but but also just so that people know. You know, because it's unknown, um, you know, there can be all kinds of theories and, you know, that, you know, someone's lining their pockets in state government. And that's certainly not something that I have seen or believe. But but that's, you know, that's something that he should be looking at. Still, Barr argues that investors shouldn't be punished because this level of accountability wasn't already in place. It's very unfortunate that state officials created this economic um, destruction in the Northeast Kingdom. It wasn't the investors that created that. And I would suggest that they, they, they claw back the salaries of the state employees that were part and parcel with the fraud. They'll never do that. That's where the money should come from. You don't steal the money again from investors, poor, unsuspecting investors. I want to understand this better. I'm, I'm still trying to get a sense of, you know, where exactly the interests of the state and the interests of the investors diverge because it does seem like there's some will here to provide restitution to everyone who was affected but just with there being a limited pool of money here how does that happen it's an economic problem it's a fundamental problem you've got investors that that believed in state representations and state filings and and the GA program uh, that turned out to be a complete ponzi scheme um, so that money um, must go back to the investors. It's, it's their money. Their state needs to find an avenue for restitution in another way, um, whatever it is, federal programs, uh, through allowing economic development, for um, cutting back on the regulatory regime, which is probably one of the, the most stringent regulatory structures out of any state in the nation. Um, it's turn it, You've got to turn business around. You've got to allow people to bring capital to our state. What happened here now is we had a program that was allowing to bring capital to our state, and certain state officials have destroyed that program, that opportunity. You've got to turn it around. We've got to create honesty and transparency in government here. I don't understand why this present administration is not cleaning this up. It's unfortunate. Alan, help me out here. It sounds like the state and a lot of these investors that are still in limbo, they all are saying that they want the same things. They want the state to look at its own role. They want some kind of resolution for their financial investments and their immigration status. But there are points of disagreement here about how they come to those resolutions. Well, I guess it's just a question of accountability. Who is accountable for for what took place? What are the consequences for those actions or lack of actions at that time? If there were material misrepresentations made by state officials, what are the consequences for that? And that's still an open question. That's still an open question. Are those consequences criminal? Have people's careers advanced despite that? Those are interesting questions. How do you think those questions might get answered? Well, I know the U.S. Attorney's Office 
for about over two years now, has been doing a criminal investigation. And we don't know all that much about that criminal investigation besides they have said they were doing one. So we don't know exactly how far-reaching that investigation is. Is it beyond the developers? Is it into state officials? Don't know specifically if that's the case. But certainly the notice of intent to terminate by USCIS did raise questions about will that investigation, criminal investigation, go into what state officials did at that time. Thanks, Alan, for the rundown. I appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. You can find all of Alan's reporting on the latest EB-5 developments at vtdigger.org. We've been reporting on the state's EB-5 program for about six years. Go to vtdigger.org EB-5 to find our full archive of coverage. The Deeper Dig comes out every week. Search for it and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts to get new episodes as soon as they land. We'll be back next week with more stories from the Digger Newsroom. Have a nice weekend.